This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hail cheaters and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League podcast. My name is Ian, I'm here with Brandon and what a thrill to ask Brandon, how are you? Yes, this is a true thrill. I'm doing great, Ian. So glad to have you on the Always Cheating podcast. We've been interacting with you online for ages. I I feel like you were an early adopter of Always Cheating or at least... I was. uh, Yeah, Yeah, I regularly sort of... uh, update my podcast schedule and uh yeah that year i think i think you you started the same time as the gaffer tapes and i think i got on board both of you early doors so yeah i've been listening for a few years to to deliver that it's quite a thrill quite a thrill awesome yeah so let's let's figure out who you are ian this isn't an interview show per se but i think a lot of people out there might not know who you are absolutely you are from you're from the miles offside podcast people don't know about the miles offside podcast what is that yeah, so we're very we're very small time, but uh, it's the idea is that we've got uh, a South London Brit who gets angry at everything, and a New Yorker stats nerd um, yeah. who is less angry but a Chelsea fan, so depends. Okay. And um, I was brought on board uh, because my professional capacity is a sound engineer, so I was brought on board to press record, basically. Yeah. You have um, no knowledge of any kind except very, for uh, very little knowledge of any kind. Uh, Do I have this what? right? Are you a Petersburg fan? Is that right? Petersburg. <laughs> that's glorious. Yeah, that's exactly it. So I'm, I'm your everyman. I'm a League One uh, mm-hmm. Peterborough mm-hmm. United fan. So outstanding. I was I was saying before we uh, got recording that I feel like at least uh, once a year we have to have somebody with an English accent on the podcast just to give us some bona fides. So you're just a token Brit uh, this week, Ian. I hope you're okay with that. that. (laughs) I'm bringing the Downton Abbey. It's fine. (laughs) But you've been playing FPL for quite a long time. You've been playing since 2008. Um, And uh, you've got some decent finishes under your belt. Top 10K overall uh, in the 2016-17 season. What's the appeal of FPL for you? And how did you get into it? Well, so I got into it. I mean, I've been playing fantasy football 
in different forms for no kidding like 25 years now so my dad introduced me to it when uh, i think the sun newspaper that's the last mention they'll get don't worry um, thank you <laughs> um, launched their dream team competition and then you used to have to phone up and the the phone call would cost you about 10 pounds and you'd have to key in the codes of the players you wanted yeah. uh the phone call would take far too long and then they had i think at that time they only had one transfer window but i was about sort of yeah 10 11 years old and used to play that and then uh, when i started work like work leagues were with i think the daily telegraph newspaper and then eventually we sort of graduated to the proper fpl game so yeah 12 years on the fpl game now yeah the internet has really ruined everything, I think. It's, it's ruined in, in everything. so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> I really would love has. to pay 10 pounds per week just to set my team. That would make, I feel like if it cost you, that was every week, 10 pounds? No, 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 no. So it, it, that, that was like the phone call to set up your team at the start of the year. But like I said, there was, ah, gotcha. there was one okay. transfer window. You didn't oh, do so transfers. You kept that team for the remaining, like maybe sort of December, you could phone in again, another 10 okay. quid. Yeah. key in like whichever transfers you wanted to make it was a laborious process <laughs> it, it was it was not fun uh and if you were doing badly obviously i mean now you think people give up on the game if they're doing badly i mean that was even yeah. worse you know yeah i'm but, sure um, i'm sure as a 10 year old it was fun it gave me some gave me some interest all right so what we're going to focus on in this episode is the exact opposite of that level of long-term <laughs> planning you're talking about we're going to talk about short-term planning so I feel like the conversation is going toward the initial season template is broken. Maybe we're converging on a new template. But the big sort of hallmark event that uh, we're looking toward right now, just from the Premier League perspective, strictly speaking, is Liverpool hosting Manchester City in game week 12. So these are the two biggest FPL teams that we have to consider and that fixture is causing us some headaches. And then we have other smaller fish or medium-sized fish from Chelsea to Arsenal to Leicester who have a great run of fixtures between now and then. So we're going to take a long, hard look at what we're calling short-term planning, so the sort of planning you would do in two- to four-week stretches. Before we get there, though, a little bit of housekeeping. I just want to check in on you, Ian. How are you doing as far as IBS is concerned? Are you suffering from international <laughs> break syndrome? Have you, no, have you exhibited any uh, sort of feelings, flu-like feelings? No, all my, all my symptoms have been positive uh, because the last game week and the rest of the game weeks have been terrible for me. So uh, the break has been welcome. So IBS has been a good thing for me. <laughs> I tell you, who, 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 all, who else is not suffering from IBS? John Bloody McGinn. FPL Husker <laughs> Du wrote in and said, has John McGinn just blown all his FPL goals for the year on San Marino? Time to transfer. McGinn scored a first half hat trick against uh, the mighty San Marino. Is that it for him? Is he just gassed after this break? No, that's got to be. I mean, I'm a relatively new McGinn owner, so I'm delighted to see that. And uh, I mean, I was absolutely furious with how do you score five goals against Norwich and not be involved in any of them? when he's it's, been involved yeah. in so many beforehand. So I'm, de I'm it's, delighted it's to see getting his getting his uh, eye back in against San Marino. When did you get him in? Who did you drop from again? I'm curious. Oh, that's a good question. Do I'm you remember? I'm not sure. It was, uh, it was in a very low-key move. That's all I can I think it was like Dendonka or something. Yeah, right, right. I mean, I feel like McGinn is just 
he's just on the wrong side of the pricing scheme for players like Dendonker and Cantwell. It's yeah, not an certainly easy when you uh, set up your initial squad, definitely. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, some of us uh, are just brilliant FPL managers and brought him in game week one. I'm not saying it was me, but, uh, uh-huh. you know, just go check my check my team ID. <laughs> if you want to yeah. see that it was me. Yeah. It was me. Yeah, it was. Um, all right. So uh, IBS still in full swing. Um, uh, we can't really talk about the always cheating Super League. Well, we won't talk about it because we already covered the top 10 last week. So you're freshly updated. You can still just join the Super League anytime. Go to alwayscheating.com and click that league tab. Ian, I'm sure uh, you're you're nearing what the top 1500 of the always cheating Super League. Yeah, let's, let's yeah. see. Let's say that. Yeah. Where are you rated? You're uh, positioned at <sighs> 7,288 in the Super League. Not bad. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> it's been a bad start. It's been a bad. You come to me at a very bad time for me to go on an FPL podcast because but last year, if you looked at my, obviously you did, if you looked at my season history, last season was not a good one. I finished 600K or thereabouts. I yeah. was convinced that as long as I carried on playing, the rest of the people would fall away and it would be fine, and it wasn't. Well, so you've been playing the game for a long time, and you know the most of the people surrounding Always Cheating have or, or certain levels of FPL veteranness. Do you not feel like the, this season and last season taken together, it does feel like some kind of shift in the way FPL strategy is is taking shape it just it it feels i don't want to say it feels harder it just feels a little different it does feel well if you have a bad start it does feel harder to claw it back definitely um i i was convinced last season that if i just kept playing didn't do anything silly i would i would claw it back beyond sort of i was uh, at one point i was down in the sort of two millions close to where i am now and i was convinced that i'd get back there and it just it just didn't happen I mean, a lot of 50-50s, I think, did go against me. But still, it yeah, it seems much harder now. I mean, the level of information that's out there now is so much greater. You don't, it's not just one website. There's a million different websites. There's people charging for content. There's so much different stuff that you can get your hands on. And uh, yeah, I mean, last season really showed me, all right, just, just playing might not be enough anymore. Um, and this season seems to be the same. I mean, I'm currently overall rank is 1.7 million. It's a terrible time for me to be on this podcast. I'm not happy. Um, and this season, it was all, I feel like a lot of it was down to sort of one decision, which was um, just before game week four, I decided Sterling was essential. I had to get him. So I got rid of a Bamiyang and went to Barnes to get the money and got Sterling. So I broke Sterling. I broke Barnes. The FPL community can blame me for that. And since then, I've just dropped like a stone. So, yeah, it's it seems like it's going to be a real hard hard slog to claw my way back up. All right, Ian. Well, I feel like this appearance is really going to turn the tide for you, and and uh, oh, I think I we'll get so. some real accolades when you go out there and say, you know, what really turned my season around? How did yeah. I win FPL this season? It was my appearance and I was cheating. That's what I'm hoping. Only reason I'm here. <laughs> All right, quick mention for our Patreon. If you want to support the Always Cheating podcast, you can visit patreon.com slash alwayscheating where there are multiple levels of support. It's a way to say thank you to uh, Josh and I uh, for the weekly pod. And you can also get cool stuff in return like our Slack message board, an extra ad-free podcast every week, merchandise like t-shirts, other cool stuff. 
Uh, Ian, this is the part in which you say something nice about the Patreon, of which you are a supporter. I am. And the I will say something nice because the, the Slack community is so brilliant. So I used my triple captain game week one, which I realize is a suboptimal what? move, but I did that because I was, I've never landed the triple captain. So I went triple captain Salah game week one. I thought, why not? Let's just have I some fun with this it. now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's have some fun with it. And the, by far the most supportive people of that decision were the Slack community, <laughs> Twitter, uh, not so much. Uh-huh. Um, do, you, the, do you feel like you regret that decision at this point? Or, I mean, Salah got, I, what did he, a goal and an assist? So it wasn't a, wasn't a yeah, bad exactly. call. Yeah, exactly. He is currently my most successful triple captain. So it's hard to feel, well, I did feel worse about it when Sterling got his hat trick. Yeah, but you would, yeah. I didn't even own Sterling. So yeah. uh, I did feel worse about it. But yeah, I'm perfectly comfortable with it. I'm aware that that's not the thing to do. You're supposed to keep it for a double game week. But every time yeah. I've done that, it gone wrong. So I just thought, yeah. I'll go for it. And everyone on the Slack was lovely. Not everyone. Yeah. Some notable Got exceptions. Red Dagger, Bayern yeah. Blue. Uh, well, yeah, Red, Red Dagger will, uh, he'll definitely take the uh, the counterpoint for sure. He mm-hmm. loves a good he said, she said. So yeah, it is all about the positivity uh, here on Always Cheating and our Slack. We have new Patreon supporters that we're going to shout out. Stay tuned until the end of the episode for that. Let's take a quick break, Ian, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about short-term planning. All right, we're back, and today's main topic is short-term planning. We're talking about bursts of two to four weeks uh, of getting your FPL team in fighting shape. Maybe it's just for the next game week. Maybe you're making a transfer uh, with game week 11 or 12 in mind right now. How do we approach that? And right now... In this season, at this point, going to game week nine, we have sort of two different schools of thought, and they're illustrated by our listeners here. The first one is from Andy Martin, who asks, is there a new template forming? And Sam Danby takes the sort of reverse approach of, are we actually in a period where we just need to wait and see who's going to be the best value? Seems like we really can't be sure who we need at the moment, and anyone could become a must-have. So it's like what I said at the start of the podcast. It feels like the template that we converged upon at the start of the season has been broken up. We have many new players uh, who are vying for positions, notably Tammy Abraham or some of the Leicester City attack. Are they part of a new template that's establishing themselves, or are they actually part of just a short-term conversation that we're having, both because of uh, Liverpool's big premium assets maybe dipping in form, as well as players like Sterling being in a, a sort of comparatively to his own his own history, bad run of form and the KDB injury, so on and so forth. So Ian, I'll throw it to you here. Do you feel like there is now a whole templated side that you are aiming for or do you feel like you're kind of looking in a few different directions uh in the shorter lens about what you want to do with your fpl team i think that the second one basically i think that it's um the template always shifts it always shifts and i feel like it does it now on a shorter term level than it used to so maybe because there's less players or or back in the day there was less players and less information it felt like the template went a bit longer and 
there would be sort of changes on the periphery. But now people are very quick to react to uh, Pookie's form and then Pookie's loss of form and the same with Campwell. Um, Abraham's good form, like no one knew who who was going to be starting up front for Chelsea. As soon as they knew, everyone piles on. But that's the other thing as well. It's not really everyone. It's We're all in our own little sort of FPL Twitter bubble. And it's yeah. very easy to think that absolutely everyone's piling on or off of these people. And really, that's not the case. Uh, it's certainly not the case yet as well. If, if we if we do end up higher in the ranks later in the season, effective ownership up there becomes a problem where if you've got a player and haven't captained them and they score, you go down. But I think me and you both had Sterling and didn't captain the other week yeah. and were maybe expecting a, a rank drop if Sterling scored. But it wasn't the case because mm-hmm. it, I don't think it has coalesced into a template yet and it's it's constantly shifting and it is shifting on a short-term basis so mm. like i say with with pookie it was only a few few games ago he was scoring hat tricks well i accept that everyone might think they're going to get off him now but he's you know he's still good value still cheap there's no need to get off him immediately yeah. but because of that 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 yeah the template shifts i feel like with everyone on twitter just acting so quickly I think the template does shift every sort of three or four weeks now based on very short-term form. And that's really the game. The game has become who can act quickest. And the secondary part of that is who can act quickest in making the correct decision. That is where a little bit of luck comes in. It's like what you were saying about 50-50 calls that you've made with your FPL side recently, and you've just they just haven't gone the right way rather consistently. So, yeah, the game is can you, can you move the quickest? Um, and then the game, the game within that, um, I'm going really deep here into many, many circles of hell, Inception. is who can also be um, patient to a degree. But I think given what I was saying and and sort of the anxiety around the big must-have assets on Liverpool and Manchester City, we're in this interesting pocket of the season where there's a certain level of freedom where you can go and try James Madison, see how it goes. And the risk might be uh, lower than it will be once the fixtures really do turn for a team like Liverpool. So um, we're going to hit upon a few sort of big ideas about short-term planning here. And then we're going to get into some specifics about these teams who have good form, good fixtures in the next four weeks. The first thing we can talk about here is transfer hits. And I think a lot of questions and rate my teams that are coming to always cheating by way of the listeners involve should I or is it worth taking a hit to get player A, B, or C in? And I think it's important what you were saying about Timu Puki, Ian, because everyone is kind of seeing the sea change with Puki and his price is dropping. You see the form is worrying. But is there still value to be had at 7.1 for Puki or if you're holding on to him, whatever you bought him at? Because just looking at game week nine in a uh, in and of itself, Bournemouth have a notably soft defense. So you feel yeah. this pressure to get off of him in the long term. But in the short term, you know, he still could return a goal. My point with the transfer hits then becomes, is it worth a minus four to turn Puki into Abraham? And I think you're just at that point trying to predict, is Abraham going to brace because if he braces, then he's going to get bonus. And then suddenly your minus four uh, is wiped away like it never happened. But what if 
Pookie scores against Bournemouth, which is not a big if, even though it's an away fixture for Norwich. He very well could do it. What if he scores and Abraham only scores a goal if he scores any? You've got a leg up. The minus four that you're taking and then Pookie scores, you've you spent minus four to get rid of Pookie. Pookie scores, you regret that. Abraham doesn't score or just scores a goal. So you've only just recouped the minus four. It's a loss for you. So um it's it's kind of um it is it is the more patient aspect of the game going counter to what we were saying but does does that make sense to you why a transfer hit in that particular situation is is filled with risk i think yeah absolutely but it's a i save transfer hits for big moves basically uh, things that are going to sort of reshape the team slightly or or something like that. So basically, if Pookie, if you're looking to move Pookie to another one of these sort of uh, 6.5, 7 million strikers, um, I don't, I wouldn't be taking a minus four on that. If you don't own Abraham um, and you're looking to bring him in and captain him, then go for the minus four because that's a big move. I think you can. You, that's a that, that's a, a a risky one because no one likes taking hits or well. I'm not sure. Oh. No one likes taking hits. There are plenty of people who sounds love like it, you but... love it, Ian. <laughs> no, I, I've people. done two transfers already this week involving Abraham, but I didn't have to take a hit for it. But okay. I probably would have because my plan is uh, to captain in this week. But that's what I mean. Just big moves like that, I'm perfectly okay with taking a taking a transfer hit. But if you're just moving a sideways sort of like you say with Pookie playing Bournemouth this week. If it's, it's just very sideways to move yeah. into someone else, right. that's not worth a minus four, in my opinion. When, like you say, who knows which Bournemouth is going to turn up? So Pookie could bang, definitely. Yeah, I think that's a, also a perfect way to put it, uh, particularly with attacking transfers that you take a hit for, is is the transfer a, short, a short-term a short player? Like, am I, bring, am I taking a hit to get Mares in because Kevin De Bruyne is out next week? I guess I'm going back in time. We're looking to game week eight. So a lot of people moved on Mares knowing that KDB was going to be out in game week eight. Some people took a minus four just so they could get um, some decent Manchester City attacking coverage. And that has just frankly, and I'm sorry to all the managers out there who are victims of this, it's just blown up in your face. So uh, the, the transfer hits especially are advisable when you're looking to make a move on a player that you expect to have for a longer period of time. Like you're saying, Ian, like ones that really kind of change the setup of your team. And Tabby Abraham, I think, definitely fits into that bracket. Let's talk about another player that might fit into that it's worth a hit bracket. Jeremiah Johnson wants to know, does the truth, and for uh, new listeners, the truth is who, Ian? It's Callum Wilson. Come on, you, you oh. can't handle the truth. <laughs> All right. Does the truth come back to the norm? Such a high percentage conversion rate from so few chances. This is not sustainable. But the next two fixtures are golden, going back to that Norwich defense. Is bringing him in for a hit worth it? So we've got uh, two questions here. One, do you actually believe in the truth, Ian? Uh, <laughs> is he overperforming his stats? And Two, are these fixtures for Bournemouth in the short term just really great? So the truth is overperforming, obviously, but that's not, you know, we're not talking about having him for the whole of the season. That's exactly what transfers are for. So he's in great form now. Like you say, there's good fixtures to come. 
I don't think there's any problem. Definitely no problem bringing him in. Absolutely. For a hit, um, I I would not be bring, again if you're going to bring him in and captain him, mm-hmm. go for it. And why not? Like you know, I don't, I don't, I will never have a go at anyone for playing anything weird because I triple captain Salah in game week one. Let's but, make FPL weird again, Ian. I'm here well, for it. Exactly. Yeah, that's a hashtag I could get behind. But I'll never have a go at anyone for making, as I say, suboptimal decisions because they want to have fun. That's absolutely fine. But if you, yeah, if I would not be taking a hit to bring him in. But unless you were going to do something like captain him and do something crazy. But I think there's no reason why he's in good form. He's overperforming. That's that's basically what I think form is when you're overperforming your underlying numbers. Yeah. So he's in good form. The next two fixtures are good. Definitely keep him, but the, keep him or bring him in. But there's no need to sort of take a hit for it thinking it's long term because that's what you've got transfers for. So it's just sort of I don't I don't think you need to worry about taking a hit for him without a doubt you could you, it's not something that is going if if the truth bangs it's not going to kill your season so don't don't worry about <laughs> taking a hit for it i love that if the truth bangs the truth bangs everybody we're here to tell you the truth does bang <laughs> <Hashtag> the truth <laughs> bangs um let's go back to kdb he he just uh, sort of bubbled up there in our uh, last conversation but you don't have kevin de bruyne in your team right now he is the top point getter in FPL. Despite his miss in game week eight through injury, it looks like he'll be back and, and fit for game week nine. Do you feel any urgency to get this guy into your team right now? Because I I stuck I stuck with KDB through the injury, and um I think last the whole injury business with KDB last season, he just as try as he might, he couldn't come back from his injuries. And he needed the summer off. And anytime he tried to mount a comeback last season, he just looked off the boil. So I'm a little anxious about how De Bruyne is going to look come game week nine, where maybe he's feeling a little stressed out about um, how his season is looking and how injury prone he might be. Uh, But that said, it's probably a minor injury in the grand scheme of things, and I don't want to overstate it. And if he continues the form he's in, he just feels like one of the most essential players in FPL for the long term. Well, I, do, I didn't want to interrupt you there to correct you, but I have got KDB. You do? Um, oh, okay, I sorry. Yeah. I actually had your team up, and I didn't look on your bench, so I do apologize. Um, <laughs> That's <all right. laughs> Yeah, imagine, I do, I do. imagine for a while, um, for, for just the purposes of this conversation, Ian, imagine you don't have him. I can't imagine that, Brandon. I <laughs> right. can't imagine it would be such insanity. a world. <laughs> All right, so you and I are on the same page then, that this dude is just, he's hes a must-have. Yeah, I think I got him in, um, I think, game week two, I think. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's, Pep was unusually uh, kind to us when he sort of basically laid out, he will be back after the international break. So for me, there was never any thought to uh, to getting rid of him. He's been so consistent, so consistent this year, and yeah, um, yeah I just I, I, he went nowhere. He just uh, plonked onto my bench for a week, and hopefully we'll be ready. Who who have Man City got next? Um, Palace is it? Yes, that's right. They're uh, yeah. home Palace. No, actually, they're yeah. away Palace. Away, away to Palace. Palace. Yeah. yeah. So if um, yeah, I don't want to even countenance not having KDB uh, for a game against Palace. It, as good as their defense has been, I just would not want to be without KDB. So if, if Callum Wilson is uh, what we're calling the truth, because um, 
He's just the truth of FPL. KDB has to be a level above, and I'm trying to think of what the level above the truth is. I feel like it's a like a scientific principle of some kind, mm. like gravity. Yeah, I was to say you're, you're yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, or something theological almost. It's it's beyond truth. Yeah, he is he is beyond truth. All right, so let's look at the actual um, fixtures from game. KDB week. beyond truth. KDB on truth. I'm not sure I get that one. That just went right over my head. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll tell you. All right. Let's look at what we see in the fixtures for game week nine through 12. Again, I mentioned game week 12 has the, the non FPL, but, but straight up premier league event of the first half of the season. It's the first meeting of Liverpool versus Manchester city. Generally low-scoring affairs last season. The season prior, Liverpool actually had a straight-up field day uh, in terms of goals against Manchester City, so they've done it before. But um, uh, I'm getting I'm getting too Liverpool-focused here. Uh, let's let's talk about teams that aren't Liverpool. So we're talking about short-term planning. Bournemouth. We talked a bit about the truth. Jeff Wahofshma writes in and also wants to ask, are Bournemouth's upcoming fixtures too good to be true or are they too good not to own the truth? So let's just talk about these Bournemouth fixtures uh, uh, in the short term. Norwich at home in game week nine. Then they have Watford away at 10. Another maybe captainable fixture for the truth. Manchester United home in game week 11 you know, insert platitude about Manchester United's woeful form. And then game week 12, it's Newcastle, uh, another interesting FPL opponent for Bournemouth to come up against. Uh, Where are you with Bournemouth? Uh, You have Josh King, I see. Now I'm looking at your bench. And you've got a stack bench here, Ian. Josh King, John Lundstrom, Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, I did that week. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, Josh King's been just sort of, I put, put him in as I did not know what to do about £6.5 million strikers when I started my team because there were so many of them floating around. And there didn't seem to be a lot of talk about King. And I like that when people aren't talking about something, probably for good reason, but when people aren't talking about something, I'll like to try and put them in. So especially for a 6.5 punt. So um, yeah, and Josh King's been doing all right, so he's he's going nowhere. And I'm I must admit I hadn't even looked at Bournemouth's fixtures until you said it there, and yeah. that sounds pretty juicy. I'm perfectly happy to keep Josh King. And other than other than the truth, I don't know whether you go anywhere else. Really, Fraser's not been setting the world alight, has he? He hasn't really even been playing. And then uh, no. Harry Wilson, who everyone thought maybe he could be the second coming of Ryan Fraser has gone a little bit quiet in terms of FPL returns. So I tend to agree. Josh King is a definite hold for this upcoming uh, run of fixtures. I don't know that you, you'd you find it necessary to move Wilson, move uh, King to Wilson. King also is banged for um, Norway. Norway? Is he Norwegian? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, he is, yeah. Yeah, he banged over the international break. So things are looking up for Josh King. I think he's a definite hold mm-hmm. for this run. We're going to talk exclusively about strikers after our next break. So we can come to where the truth ranks as far as um, other big-time Charlies like Vardy and Aubameyang, Aguero, and Tammy Abraham. So let's let's stick a pin in Bournemouth for now. Let's come to Manchester City. We've got a lot of questions about what to do with City because – 
that that game week 12 fixture against Liverpool aside, mm-hmm. decent stretch the next three weeks. Away Crystal Palace, then home Aston Villa, Tyrone Mings. My God, how could you possibly get by uh, England's own Tyrone Mings? And another home fixture, Southampton in game week 11. Um, so they look pretty good. A few questions here. I'll just run through them and then we can chat largely about Manchester City. Kun Karam asks, is triple up on Manchester City attack still a viable option for the next three game weeks? And Matt Hawksworth chimes in, can David Silva, or David, I should say, David Silva, be a viable Sterling alternative in light of Bernardo's uh, ban? Has he actually been banned? Or is it... I think the potential for appeal is still open, isn't it? Yeah, I think they have appealed. So we may still see Bernardo in the the coming weeks until all of that finally uh, comes to conclusion. And then John on Twitter also wants to mention, he's on wildcard, We'll definitely have Kevin De Bruyne. Do I have to have Sterling or can I please go without? So Sterling, you can hear the permission there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's a stressful situation. I mean, Sterling is, um, you know, accepting Mo Salah. He's the most expensive player in the game. I think that's right. Um, He's right up there with Sergio Aguero. So I can see why John would say, can I just go without him? Because you talk about his hat trick in game week one, the player you should have triple captained, Ian. Um, <laughs> Thank you. He just hasn't delivered on that since then. He's only scored three goals since that hat trick in game week one, and he hasn't had a double figure return since that hat trick. It's kind of worrying from an explosive, really expensive player. But um, I guess the way I'm still framing Raheem Sterling in my own mind is that he remains a season keeper. He is an important, integral, experienced player for Manchester City. They will need him. Uh, And I think that he'll come good throughout the season. I'm not chomping at the bit to get rid of him. And if you compare him to Mo Salah, who there is equal anxiety around Salah, I got rid of Salah on wildcard. I'm more accepting of dropping Salah than Sterling because... If Liverpool, while they're still eking out these wins and remain undefeated in the league, Liverpool will do that by just scoring one or two, maybe three goals. Whereas if Manchester City are still kind of in a bad run of form, they'll still week to week score four or five goals. So I think there are still so many points on the table any given week for Sterling and more so than there might be. For Mo Salah. So I remain um, pretty confident and gung ho about keeping Sterling. Uh, as far as the rest of the city attack, though, do you feel like this is like just just pile on the city attack right now? Or are you worried about their performance against Wolves without KDB? I don't think it's ever a bad decision to triple up on Manchester City in almost any capacity. Um, so yeah, it's it's hard to argue against, to be honest. I mean, Sterling, I think you only move him out if you've got some bigger plan about what you're going to do with that money because if you've got a bigger plan, then fair enough. But like you say, he's always involved. Man City always have the capacity to score silly amounts of goals, like you say, and he will inevitably be involved in that. But yeah, attacking-wise, so we're looking at KDB, Sterling... Mares and David Silva feel periphery players for now. And I know, I know if Bernardo Silva gets banned, then that might change. But still, Pep has 
an unnerving ability to do whatever the hell he wants with his <laughs> midfield. So I, I just really, really funny about going near players like that. Whereas when you don't have to, because you don't have to, you keep KDB, you keep Sterling, you are going to get the odd benching, but it's not going to be the same as Mares or David Silva. And then your other attacking, your only other attacking option is um, Aguero. So if if you, I mean, that's silly expensive if you want to go for all three of them. Um, but if you do, it's it's hard to argue with any of them. So it just might cripple your team elsewhere. That's the thing. That's why a lot of people go for a defensive option. But... It's a terrifying imagery and just crippling your team. That feels that's quite evocative language, wasn't it? I'm sorry. I feel vaguely threatened by that. Uh, um, crazy. Mm. Yeah, I'm. I, I think especially with the tricky run of fixtures for Liverpool, though. No one would be surprised, right, if Liverpool just actually do Manchester United next weekend uh, at Old Trafford. I mean, just just piling on the humiliation for for Team Woodward over there. Spurs, they've got their backup keeper in, and the uh, Belgian central defense just look like I don't know. What, yeah, how would you? I did do, enjoy how... you saying about how Toby was tied up in knots the other day. That was yeah, he he was made to look very silly. What would you? How would we compare in real life if you see two sort of um, grumpy Belgian guys like Alderweireld and Vertonghen out in the wilderness? Where would you see those guys? Like at the racetrack? They just look like two guys who just can't win a bet at the racetrack. Yeah, I don't think I'd see many of them knocking around Peterborough. Um, <laughs> oh no, not too so many Belgians around there. No, no, not, not a huge Belgian community. Yeah, uh, they don't find their way to the uh, Western Home Stadium. Yeah, that often. Yeah, well, it, <laughs> so yeah, it is. It is the short term planning, right? So I the the plan was for me to go without Liverpool attack until game week thirteen, um, when they're away Crystal Palace and their fixtures open up there. So let's talk about Liverpool. A couple questions here. Masood Rashid wants to know: Is the Liverpool attack versus fixture proof? as is Manchester City's. And then uh, Puskar Sobadi wants to know, Vardy versus Firmino, who to go with? So this is like, it is cognitive dissonance, right? You're familiar with the cog- uh, the uh, concept of cognitive dissonance, right, Ian? Yes. All holdings are two conflicting ideas in, in your head at the same time. I think I've, I think I've got that one right. Is that how you describe it? That sounds about right. Two yeah. plus two equals five, yeah. <laughs> So how can you say one thing about Liverpool and then at the same time say another in that Liverpool uh, haven't lost or drawn a single game in their Premier League campaign this season. They will win. They look like the best team undoubtedly at the moment. However, I'm completely willing to go without a single attacker from Liverpool for the next four weeks versus Manchester City where I'm like, well, uh, some weirdness going on in that squad uh i'm not convinced they'll win any given game but i am rather convinced that they'll score four or five goals um at the same time so that's kind of where i am with liverpool and that i can't without any great certainty say not liverpool they're past it don't get any of their fpl attacking assets wait four weeks for that to happen are they actually fixture proof well they're fixture proof if you own them, in that you're not going to bench them, or, you know, you're not. I wouldn't even bench them against Man City. So, if you own them, they're fixture proof, but they are not doing us any favours this year. Um, 
clean sheet. I mean, clean sheets haven't been particularly prevalent across the league at all. But Liverpool have two uh, def- of them, just two, <laughs> two exactly. It's it's compared to last season when I think they had something like twenty twenty one. Yeah, um, it's it's not good. But and of course it's not good because rather than go for any of the attacking fullbacks, I went for Van Dijk just to save point five. Um, so yeah, it's not been it's not been great just looking for clean sheets. I'm looking at your team right now, Ian, from game week eight, yeah. and uh, my main man Craig Cathcart outscored Virgil Van Dyke <laughs> six points to two. So yeah, we truly are living in a in a bizarro FPL world this season. Exactly. Yeah. What was it? Bring back the weird or something? Bring, yeah. Make yeah. FPL weird again. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. Make FPL weird I think again. that's a good way of putting it in that Liverpool is um, a lot of us. My, I, uh, I don't know if it's a lot of us, my, my own plan. And I think there are a few like me who kind of hatched this plan a week or two ago where, you know what? I'm looking at these Liverpool fixtures. I'm going to try and swerve. It's a gambit. It's a risk. But so far I'm getting away with it. Yeah. So I'm sticking with that plan and I will see it through. But yes, if you still have Mo Salah, if you still have Sadio Mane, absolutely 100%, you're going to play them. You might even look to captain them against Aston Villa in game week 11. That said, uh, just getting quickly to uh, uh, Puskar's question, Vardy versus Firmino, mm. I-, I think the the only focus on Liverpool attack right now, now I have is uh, the foreign player, which is Sadio Mane. If I were to bring any of the that Liverpool triptych in, Salah, Firmino, Mane, for me right now, I'm feeling just really bullish on Mane. Yeah. Could you make a compelling case for Firmino, given all the competition in that striker space? We're going to talk a little bit more about strikers after the break, but real quick, Firmino, is he just peripheral to what Salah and Mane are doing right now? I He's super fun to watch. Can I just get him because of that? I just love, love. Oh yeah, come on. He's yeah, yeah. Actually, we uh, we were talking on the Slack about players we'd have in our FPL teams just because we like them, yeah, not because you know they're necessarily good for points or or anything like that. My God, I totally missed the trick because Firmino is the the fun player. He's the guy to invite to the party. The no look, the no look goals, just the general joie de vivre. It's all there. The teeth, I the teeth, the Maximo. Teeth. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I think he's overlooked genuinely because you you want to load up on Liverpool players. Now I'm one of those that don't, as I mentioned, don't own uh, Alexander Arnold or Robertson. And I mean, we're, like Josh is my canary down the mine for Alexander Arnold. He still hasn't got him. So I'm like, right, if Josh hasn't got him, I'm all right not to have him. It's crucifying me every week at the minute. But he's my canary down the mine, but I still haven't got uh, Alexander-Arnold. So from a sort of team space point of view, I get it. But then most people haven't got Mane and Salah. So I'm perfectly happy with Firmino. I I would prefer Firmino to um, Vardy, to be honest. I think Vardy's... I don't know whether enough chances being created with Leicester at the minute, despite the fact that they're sort of playing attacking football. I don't, I don't see that many chances uh, being created specifically for. It Vardy, feels a little so. muted. Yeah, yeah. It, their their attack does feel muted. I totally agree with that. And uh, Vardy's just liable to these ex- explosive fixtures uh, like that Newcastle match. Yeah, I think the Firmino thing is interesting because. 
I'm not saying you you could convince me of anything, Ian. I don't think you you had that me. sort of rhetorical no. flourish. Yeah, just not having it. <laughs> uh, but you know, I'm thinking about this more, and Firmino just he might just be the classic victim of being priced out of the game. If Firmino yeah. were back priced at eight point five, or even say Glory B, he was seven five. Would we even be having this conversation, or would no. he be in? It'd be straight every in. single person's the, team. Yeah. The problem is that. Yeah, at that pricing, if you're that sort of manager where you um, do your team by price brackets, which I sort of am to a certain degree myself, you consider for me no premium. And then it's like, well, if he's premium, should I just be getting a Bamiyang for that slot? Should I just be getting a Guero for that slot? So, yeah, I mean, I think FPL did really well pricing him where they did, to be honest, but because it puts him mostly out of reach, which is what I think they should do with pricing most players, you know, where you think... Oh, I, I I want him. Can I get him? Whereas it, it's yeah. too easy with some players. So um, he's yeah. only had three blanks on the season, which um, you know he's just been ticking along. Nothing yeah, explosive. the only problem is two of them are the most recent ones, aren't they? Yeah, that is a problem, right? In the uh, just one double-digit return against Burnley with one goal and one assist, but I think Firmino's just one brace away from really being in the FPL conversation. And I think people are looking toward other strikers who are more the focal point where they could actually be more explosive and have a higher ceiling. So it's Firmino's price and then question marks about what his point ceiling might be that are sort of scaring me off of him. True. He's not one you captain very often, is he? You you sort of have him in because you're going to own Salah or someone else who's more likely right. to get the captaincy. So I, I do get it. For for me, for a um, premium forward, I can see why people don't. All right, Ian, let's talk about one more team and then we're going to take a quick break. And it's Chelsea. FPL Posty says, is a Chelsea attacking triple up of Hudson-Odoi, Mount and Abraham for the next four game weeks a good move? So Chelsea's fixtures coming up through game week 12, home Newcastle, away Burnley, away Watford, home Crystal Palace. So two decent home fixtures and the away ones, Burnley and Watford, equally appealing, I would say. Uh, And then they play Manchester City in game week 13. So that's when we're going to start actually asking serious questions about our investment all over the shop with Chelsea. So at this point, I have to say Mount and Abraham seem, you know, template is one way to put it. Must have is another way to put it. They are, uh, without question, the best value for points in the entire FPL game right now. So if you accept that, where does Colin Hudson-Odoi fit into this conversation? It's not like he is comparatively cheap. It's not like he is a Todd Cantwell-type figure of like, well, Chelsea's in form, particularly with their attack, so I'll just get another cheap thing to piece of that attack to add on to it. Cho is uh, 5.9. It just, it feels quite expensive. So we need, we need to talk about this, Ian. So do you think it feels expensive? Yeah. Right. I don't know. You know you're, are you a diehard England man? Anybody who gets a call up suddenly they're straight into your team. <laughs> they rock in on? price. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. They suddenly become invaluable. Uh, no, I'm not that man, but um, I, I think Hudson O'Doy was probably priced quite low because he was injured and the fact I I genuinely I thought he might come in a little bit higher because I think he's going to get used a lot this season 
Um, he's recovered from his injury nice, nice and quickly. I think his him coming back, uh, forget maybe Hudson O'Doy for a second, but him coming back and playing more uh, means that Mount will probably go more central. So if you do own Mount, it's probably a good thing anyway. But if you're talking about Hudson O'Doy, Abraham and Mount, I think even if you think Hudson O'Doy is overpriced, the three of them, even with the price rises they've had, are still really reasonably priced when you take the three of them. And if you're going to have them three, you've got money to spend elsewhere. And with those fixtures, I think you could get a fair few points from those three, but still have premium players elsewhere. So I, I have no problem with that at all. And I've only got Abraham at the minute and it's needling me a little bit. I'm, I'm, I haven't got any free transfers left. I've already made my transfers to get Abraham in. And it is needling me a little bit that I haven't got Mount and possibly even Hudson O'Doy. So I, I can definitely see the point of that. Yeah, uh, I think it's just, I, I feel like you're over-investing in Chelsea at that point, but... Possibly. You are over-investing, but it's a case of, I think that's a that's a punt you can take for three mid-price players. Ian, if you'd let me finish, okay? <laughs> My gosh, do we need to stop this uh, episode right now? What I was going <laughs> to... What I was going to say is, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of coming around to your way Brandon, of thinking sorry. in that. <laughs> it, it, it feels like overinvestment only because uh, what we've only seen from Hudson O'Doy is just one start. Uh, let's see. What kind of returns have we seen from O'Doy at that one start? So he was brought in as a sub in game week seven, then played 79 minutes as a starter in game week eight and assist in each of those matches. If you if what you say is true Ian that he will be used more and more by Lampard now that he's healthy and he'll just be integral to that team. If you've got three nailed on starters in Mount Odoy can I call him Odoy? I guess I have to call him Hudson Odoy. I don't want to be him to be confused with the awful awful defender on Fulham. Uh <laughs> that is that is insane bargain. I think I think that's right. I think where I am right now, though, is it just feels um, there, the, it's a risk in a way, a risk in that the overinvestment is the risk. If it turns and maybe going back to our early, early, early point in this episode, the the game of FPL has become who can move quickest on the correct decision. I could see 10 weeks from now. The, re- the correct decision was always to triple up on this hyper-value Chelsea attack, and and you're going to have more money to sp- spend elsewhere while also getting points from all of them. It could work out. I think right now I'm in this position of I just feel like I haven't seen enough. Does that mean yeah. I'm biased? Maybe I'm biased. No, I think that I think that's fair. I think there's a possibility I'm being biased because my um, miles offside colleague Oscar is a diehard Chelsea fan, and he has been super excited about Hudson O'Doy for longer than I knew he existed. So it's, I, I maybe am being slightly sort of uh, thrown by that, but um, him and, and Chelsea fans seem, seem so excited at this guy's prospects that it, I've maybe got caught along with that a little bit. But um, I think 5.9, I mean, we were talking about John McGinn earlier. He's, what is he, 5.7? Having a sort of, decent Chelsea midfielder for 0.2 more than that just sort of really really gets me going and I'm just not worried about not having him 
So not I worried. Guess Worried's the wrong word. I just, I really want him. Is that coming over? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I get it. I think you're being measured here. Also, this isn't a presidential debate. You're not, you're not going to be, I mean, Make you still will be called again. to task on social media. I'm sure of it. That's the way it goes on these podcasts. But I think the way, the way I could put a button on this is I feel like Hudson Odoi, maybe because the short-term fixtures are good and we're talking about short-term moves, maybe just bring him in. But be ready to make a move to get him out if it looks like you're not going to be able to carry a 5.9 midfielder who's only delivering an assist every three or four weeks. Now is maybe a good time to give this triple up of Chelsea a good trial run. If it works, then you're in excellent shape. If it doesn't work, I think Hudson Odoi is the first one out. Uh, to try and make more of your money in that position. Is that fair to say? It's very, very measured of you, Brandon. Thanks. So we'll take this opportunity where we're on a high here to take a break. We're going to come back and we're going to dig into this striker situation. Hey, always cheating listeners. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. It's time consuming. It's expensive. There are so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage your ship orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, which is really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. ShipStation works with all major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. Right now, Always Cheating listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use the offer code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card information. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter the offer code BLUE. Hey guys, talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves, but with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, it's safe, it's totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today and connect with the doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. We're back. Topic two, Ian. Did I mention I'm here with Ian Stimson from the Miles Offside podcast? It's like tuning into live radio. I have to occasionally just uh, reiterate who we're with, what we're doing. We're talking about FPL. Should I remind our <laughs> listeners of that? I think you're all right with that one. I think you can get away with that one. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. So um, we've, we've talked about some of the uh, fixtures and squads to focus on in this short-term window. 
But I think a lot of the talk here is revolving around strikers. Uh, we've got a question here from Jeff Holt, who says, I'm looking to call triple A. I think that Jeff actually coined this phrase. Jeff, you've got to correct me if I'm wrong. But this is like the new SAS, right? And triple A. Do they have triple A in England or in Europe? It's like automotive. No, I mean, I'm aware of it, but okay. no, we don't. Okay, I know Jeff. Jeff's English, but he lived in Texas for a while, so he definitely knows what AAA is. But he's referring to AAA here as Aguero, Abraham, and Aubameyang. So he's calling AAA with those three strikers up front. But this would mean for Jeff that uh, Todd Cantwell would be his fourth midfielder. He goes on to say, would it be better, in your opinion, to go Vardy for one of these three spots, or say for the Aguero or Aubameyang spot, and then make McGinn out of uh, Todd Cantwell for uh, the fourth midfielder. So what we have to figure out, Ian, in the next couple of minutes here is uh, which of these strikers we can't go without, which of them are more or less differentials, and which of them are just straight up compromising our midfield. So looking at Jeff's question here, specifically, he's compromising his starting midfield in the fourth spot. Are you willing to go big up front to the point where you're totally compromising four starting midfielders in your FPL's FPL side. Do you th- like looking at this season, do you feel like there are enough points up for grab up for grabs in the striker position that you could get away with just three notable midfielders? I mean, first of all, I like the sort of thinking of everyone seemed to start ridiculously big at the back and he's gradually sort of migrating funds to sort of midfield or forwards. This is all out at the front and I, I like it because you know other people aren't going to be doing it I don't think you necessarily have to because yes playing Campwell week in week out would be a worry but that's a 4.9 or something like that midfielder that's what he's showing up on mine so I don't know whether that's um uh value I've got or whatever but roughly 4.9 uh midfielder I'm checking I mean, your work you right could... now Ian hold on yeah yeah 4.9 <laughs> there you go Okay, so um, you you could legitimately say have a decent five million defender and play four three three. I know that's totally going against the grain of what people like to do, but I get that Cantwell might not be someone you want to play all the time. But a five million defender is someone you're going to be happy to play all the time. You're going to be um, happy so to could... do that, Ian. I, I mean, clean sheets are deceased; they're gone. Bye bye. Uh, I'm, I'm aware of that, and I've argued against Big at the back, so I don't know why I'm, I'm suddenly doing a flip on that. that okay, that, that, that would be a uh, you you go not big at the back, but suddenly you're starting four four point five defenders in the back. It does run, run Willy Bolly. I, yeah. I, I fought, yeah, Willy Bolly. Uh, interesting fascination with Wolverhampton after that Manchester City win, but uh, we're we're going to swerve on that one this week. Um, yeah, I've totally interrupted you, but I think I think. Yeah, going 4-3-3 three, three is, that's tough. I think that's tough. It's mostly because I'm trying to support a weird idea again. That's what I, that's what I, love I like it. to yes. do. I love it, yes. I love it. So that's mostly what I'm trying to do. But uh, so, so to go back to your strikers there, you've got Abraham, who uh, I know FPL content providers don't like saying the word essential, but he is. Um, you've you've got Avin for that money. That's why He's I the most owned to, striker in the game. game right now. So I think... Uh, I mean, we, yeah. we we were talking about, is it worth a minus four hit to get Tammy in and the questions around that for for the long haul, given his ownership and his rate of scoring his form. Yeah, he is essential. I'll say it. Yeah. 
<laughs> you, you'll, you'll put your head above the parapet on that one. There it is. Um, I think, yeah, the thing is, I, I get it because I like any anyone playing the game any way they like, I'm all for. But ultimately, if you want to be successful, there are some players at some point you have to have, and Abraham feels like that at the minute with fixtures and form. So I'm absolutely fine with that one. And then Aguero and Aubameyang, if you're talking about dropping one of those down to Vardy, Vardy still feels, it's like we said with, with uh, Firmino, Vardy still feels like a premium player, but not necessarily getting premium scores yep. or allowing you the comfort of putting a captaincy on him. So, I'm, I mean, Aubameyang and Aguero are both obviously great hits. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find a way to argue to keep them all because I like it. Uh, but if you're going to drop one of them, for me, it's Aguero because I think Arsenal's fixtures are really good and Aubameyang's been brilliant. So I think you drop Aguero and just, but drop him to someone budget or mid price and make some proper money to put it elsewhere yeah yeah so i i think i agree with you uh and obamiang over aguero just because of this the whole looming threat of rotation if aguero were to the point where we saw him in periods last season where he was getting hat tricks and consistently just consistently blocking jesus from getting into the lineup but the way it goes Pep seems to be in a situation where he has a healthy Jesus and he has an attack that probably needs a little bit of motivation and a little bit of mixing up week to week. So I do think that there are many strikes against Aguero. You, 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 you go to Amazon, right? You're looking to buy like a surge protector or something and you, you can line them up and you say, you've got the columns and the rows. This surge protector checks off all these boxes. This surge protector checks off all these boxes. Aguero is missing a few boxes for me this season. Where Aubameyang is there a lot is... of variation in the surge protector market? Or... Yeah, you know, like maybe a... that wasn't the best yeah. example. <laughs> maybe like a dehumidifier. I don't know. I shot. Oh, for... now we're talking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that was, was that was the better example. But I think Aubameyang Aubameyang might not be the best dehumidifier on the market, but he checks all those boxes, and I, <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm willing to stand. Hashtag the dehumidifier. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yes. Brilliant. What an amazing uh, nickname that would be. Oh, you know, Aubameyang, the dehumidifier. That's so niche that just yeah, I'm not sure it's going to really get a lot of traction. Although we could just you know not not ever sort of reference how it came about just what you don't know the dehumidifier get mm. with it yeah i will i will say brock toon actually had legs on this podcast yes. so weirder things have happened <laughs> so triple a uh might be a v double a as far as we're concerned vardy abraham and Aubameyang. let's talk a little bit more about all the strikers that are on the table right now so the top five and i think maybe we can the top this top five doesn't include Firmino, so maybe we could bring him into the conversation but uh, if if we could rank the following forwards, maybe it's in the short term and, and maybe just overall, Aubameyang, Aguero, Vardy, Abraham, and Callum the Truth Wilson. I think the I think it's easy to say that Aubameyang and the Truth and Tammy Abraham are all remarkably consistent this season. Uh, certainly, Abraham would be for me top of this list. Would you argue that against that? No, I think it's it's well. It depends what we're judging on, of course. But I think price wise, yeah, hundred percent. So it's it's his value is yeah. unbelievable. I think so, we're arguing yeah. here just shrewd FPL assets. If you want, if you yeah. want to get into a conversation about uh, who's better, then my God, suddenly we're we're getting messages from you know 
soccer guy CR7. And I just don't want to have that conversation. Okay. <laughs> Not having yep. it. Um, so Tammy is first. Then it gets kind of weird. I think it's it's maybe a bit of a dead heat between Aubameyang and the truth because there's the, enough of a difference in price there where both of these guys can work for this an FPL squad just depending on what your budgetary restrictions are. So let's talk about Arsenal's fixtures coming up. They have Sheffield United, which could be tricky uh, in game week nine. Then you've got Crystal Palace home, two home fixtures in a row, game week 10 and 11, Crystal Palace and Wolves. Leicester away, and then Southampton at home in game week 13. So the fixtures are lining up for Aubameyang. And for uh, Bournemouth, we already talked about their fixtures. Kellen Wilson, 7.9, super value. Aubameyang finally got that price rise. I think everyone who owns Aubameyang has been waiting and waiting and waiting. Finally is up to 11.1. Huge excitement. Huge excitement all over social media. I don't know where you were. Ian, when Aubameyang got up to 11.1. What were you uh, doing when that happened? North London, because I imagine it was going off. No <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and then below, weirdly, I think Aguero, just because of all the lack of, of tick marks that I was mentioning and the dehumidifier argument, uh, which people will write about, I'm sure. Um, he, though he does arguably have the highest ceiling of all of these players. Uh, and then Vardy, probably fifth position. Vardy also with the high ceiling, but uh, as as we were talking, Leicester's attack might tick along, but is their ceiling high enough for us if we're, if we're looking to get value for that money? So where I'm going with this is Tammy at number one, then it's a tie based on budget between Aubameyang and Callum the Truth Wilson, then Aguero, then Jamie Vardy. What do you think? I can't argue with any of that. I think that's spot on, to be honest, because, yeah, 100%, it's, it's whether you need the money between... I'm happy with Wilson or Aubameyang, it's just whether you need the money. Yeah, I can't argue with any of that. I think Vardy doesn't really, for me, just doesn't come into the equation because if I'm not having two Leicester attackers yet, and if I'm having one at the minute, it'd be Madison. Um, I love the way he plays, and I think he's I think he's decent value. So... Yeah, I think Vardy's got to be bottom, and then the the rest of them sort themselves out. I think you've got it bang on. Okay, Ian, test time. So we've talked about the next four weeks. We've got all of our strategy and and theorizing in place. Let's put it to the test. Uh, We've got two real-life examples. This is sort of like train A leaves from station B, train C leaving from station D. They're both moving at this uh, sort of velocity. Uh, at, which, at which point does Aubameyang meet Jamie Vardy? That's what we want to know. Okay, so we've got uh, the first question here. Taufig El-Sharif wants to know, which is the optimum combination to have? Aubameyang plus a 4.5 defender or Jamie Vardy plus Virgil van Dijk? And okay, this is where the question gets complicated. You have to bring in more of your knowledge, right? And is it worth a minus four? All right, so take everything you've learned over the last 45 minutes or so, Ian, and tell me the correct answer here. Aubameyang plus a 4.5 million defender for a minus four or Vardy and Virgil van Dijk for a minus four? So um, not Vardy and van Dijk because at the minute you can't 100% rely on Liverpool clean sheets and I've slagged off Vardy. Yeah, you can't rely on points from either of these guys uh, in in a one or two game week. Period. I totally agree. 
yeah, so I'm perfectly happy to just get rid of that one as an option. And then you're talking Abamyang and uh, let's say Cathcart. Um, Come on, it's got to be Dunk. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's just because I've got Cathcart <laughs> and he's on. He's a hole in my team that I want to get rid of. But every week I've got something else to no do. No one so say just... you have not backed your own mission to make FPL weird again. You're doing it one Cathcart at a time. So I applaud you, Ian. Well done. Yeah, I I want rid of this man, but I can't. <laughs> Every week I've got something else to do. We've so all been there like, over the last five or six years. Yeah. We've all been there with a Watford defender at one point or another. They never last. I brought in uh, <laughs> Britos. I think it was was it early last season or the season prior. I brought him in and I thought, I'm in. Immediate red card. <laughs> Immediate red card. <laughs> I'm fully in on this. Oh dear. Yeah. So uh, you think? I, you, when will I learn? So um, you think so Aubameyang and Cathcart? Yeah, it's I, I, it's it's good. <laughs> well, actually, no. Let's. I, the the four point five defender I brought in this week was uh, Burnley's Lowton or Loughton. So yeah, that's that's what I'm going. With. But anyway, um, yeah, it's got to be that. And I think you only take uh, like what I said earlier. To be honest, you only take the minus four if you're going for the sort of instant Aubameyang captain. Otherwise, it can wait. But there's I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that. A minus four. I like those sorts of minus four moves where you're sort of like going instant, go for it. Like, you know, let's see if I get an instant return on this. And if so, if you're going to captain a Bamiyang, do it. So the one striker that we didn't talk about was Sebastian Allaire, who um, I just got rid of over the uh, international break. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to our Game Week 9 preview. Um, I feel like the ship has sailed on this dude, right? It was sort of like a brief flirtation and mm. uh, now... Maybe a double game week is what gets us talking about Alaire again. But were you in on this whole love affair with Alaire? No. Um, again, I've sort of always had always had other things to do, really. Or, or when I did, oh, you're so I busy. You're Bamiyang. such a busy guy, Ian. No, no, I mean FPL. <laughs> okay, gotcha. I'm doing nothing but FPL. <laughs> but I, when I had the Abamyang downgrade to do to get money for Sterling, I Barnes was who everyone was talking about. So I got on him, and it was freed up a lot of cash. Um, West Ham's attack uh, looks really good. I really like watching them play. It's like for they're playing the West Ham way that I'd never heard of until a couple of years ago, um, when they were upset that they weren't playing it anymore. Apparently, but. They're, they're now playing really nice attacking football and they've got a lot of options attacking-wise as well. And I think he's I think he's a good player, but it's just a case of you got on uh, for the couple of games and he did well and then he's having a sort of a little bit of a dry spell. But I don't know, what are West Ham's fixtures like? I haven't even looked. Yeah, um, so West Ham in the next... Everton. Yeah, you got it. Go on, read them. Uh, Everton, read. Sheffield United. <laughs> Newcastle, go on, keep going. Good job. Newcastle, Burnley, and then Tottenham. Um, good job, little buddy. Uh, um, it's a mixed bag. Yeah, I think you. I think you could. You could definitely hold him because he's not. He's not. How how expensive is he? He's seven point something, isn't he? He's not. It's not a huge amount of money. So you could hold him, but I. I get why you've lost faith in it definitely yeah. because you only need a couple of blanks and you just you just get itchy to move these people on. But I, I was never on Haller, so it's not something. I have to worry about. I um, I wouldn't mind Yarmolenko or something like that. I think yeah. their attack looks really good, but yeah. I'm not not really getting involved at the minute. I think we had a question about Yarmo versus Philippe Anderson. I think Yarmo every day in that conversation. But West Ham is yeah, it seems like it. Yeah, West Ham is a little bit like uh, Leicester in that yeah, I, I just week to week I'm concerned about their ability to just rain goals upon their opponents. So. 
you know, sort of go in to this West Ham attack with with some degree of caution. Ian, you know what that sound means? It's the lightning round. Ah, oh, so round i was born for come on now you know the rules here ian how long do we have to answer each of these questions uh however long josh takes yeah brilliant okay so josh isn't here so we'll have to stick to that 30 second rule of course yep okay (laughs) all right so our first question in the lightning round comes from charlie holland who wants to know which of these do you think is a more important transfer dean to robertson and let's note that allison is back in goal in game week nine after this international break or um is it pookie to abraham i think this is a straightforward one for our way of thinking in that pookie against bournemouth is just intriguing enough that and we think that he could easily get a goal so save yourself that points hit uh in the short term and then dean to robertson i think uh everton are like a total basket case back to front i like this i like this dean move to robertson much better do you? Because I'm of the opinion in, of that you need Abraham in more than you need Dean out. Okay, so, so Everton home, the Pook- home West Ham in game week nine, then Brighton away in game week ten. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Talk to I me I think more. Dean would be on my list of players to get out, yeah. but I just think you need a- Abraham in more. So it, it would be next week for Dean, definitely. Interesting to see how those transfers actually shake out for Charlie uh do you need to get well, you're spending you're you're upgrading in both situations do you then have enough money to get abraham turn pookie to abraham if you do the dean to robertson move if yeah are they dependent on each other yeah, yeah if they are dependent then yeah i think i do agree with you in that case ian that abraham is the player that you'll need uh in this short term and probably long term as well over robertson so yeah all right Good collaboration on that one, Ian. All right, next question comes from <laughs> Sumant Nakhtar, who wants to know, which 4.5 million defender do we choose from the plethora from the plethora of options? I have Lundstrom right now and still haven't replaced Dean. God, Dean is just popping up like whack-a-mole right now. But I'm looking for uh, possible replacements like Tomori, Sayunchu, Dunk, Loughton, and Bali. So I don't know if I've made this clear enough on the podcast yet, Ian, but I am having a massive love affair with Lewis Dunk right now. Oh, right. Yeah, you're pulling for Dunk. Yeah, I think he... Okay, so would you... If England announced the the squad for whatever, you know, qualifier or whatnot, let's say for for the uh, European trophy next summer, and it's Tyrone Mings or Lewis Dunk, who would you be having in that squad? Hmm. Um, I would be having Dunk. I think I'm with you on that one. Yeah, you would. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So should I have been more emphatic on that? <laughs> yeah. Come on. Be a little. I wasn't. Be, wasn't emphatic enough. Dunk love for uh, Brandon. Sorry about that. Um, well, the thing is, I really like Mings. I think he's going to be a really good player in a couple of years. Wait, well, he's a good player now, but I think he's going to be. Re- excellent in a couple of years if you can just iron out the odd the odd mistake yeah yeah um for was dunk doing dunk doing wrestling moves on harry kane that's i'm all about that that's did you see the, I, uh, I saw the wrestling moves and then i cdt he basically did yeah and then, kane. And then amazing. kane turns around and uh, tries to pull off his you know what and <laughs> that was a little uh, dirty pool there by harry kane i don't yeah. you don't like to see that um so the way where where i'm at in the 4.5 bracket is basically this 
is you need a combination that looks like it's either Nick Pope and goal plus Lewis Dunk, or it's Matt Ryan and goal plus Matt Loughton. So it's a Brighton Burnley combo. And I think those two teams probably present season long because these are positions that you don't want to be messing around with week to week. You don't want to take a four week punt on a 4.5 million defender. So if we're just looking at value rated defenses, Brighton and Burnley, they're not going to clean every week, but uh, you're covering the percentages. It's, it's, it's a defensive defensive move. If you follow me, like the percentages of people who are bought into the Brighton and Burnley defenses are high enough where uh, you ought to buy in as well. And then they're cheap enough and we'll probably deliver enough where it's good to go. So I think it's Pope plus dunk or it's Ryan plus Loudon. And what you do beyond that, I think is a bigger question. And that's where Sayonju kind of jumped between you and Craig Cathcart. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Let's get him on the line. But I think that's where Soyuncu sort of jumps out in that Leicester, you know, we we talked about Leicester's attack and um, sort of worries that we have about their explosivity. But that conversation aside, Leicester just looked like a really organized quality outfit that will be vying for the top four this season. Clean sheets will come along with that. And I think Soyuncu, my, my issue initially was, a central defensive pairing of Johnny Evans and Soyuncu. This is like the talk of FPL this week. This is insane, <laughs> but they've looked great. And I think Johnny Evans presents just enough uh, sort of, how would you describe it? He's just kind of a bastard, I think. And <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, he probably it's a decent, it's a decent pairing. I'm coming around to it. So I think getting into that Leicester defense, um, in part with Burnley and Brighton is where I, where I like to any of these other names jump out at you, Ian, like Tamari Rudiger looks like he's back healthy. Uh, I don't know if it's Christian. I don't remember if it was Christensen or Tamari that got the start alongside Rudiger when Rudiger was briefly back, but Chelsea's defense is, um, I think, I think we talked enough about Chelsea's attack and that if you want to buy into Chelsea, it's probably in the attack right now. So I'm willing to bypass Tamori in this conversation. Yeah. Tamori feels like you're uh, booking in a later transfer, doesn't it? Yeah, probably. Whereas you could, you could see yourself keeping Soyuncu. Uh, I think 4.7 is still really good value. So, yeah, I don't think you can. If, if you can go to 4.7, I think, yeah. yeah. Chu. I don't. Uh, yeah, Tamori's got, like you say, good short term. We are talking short term, I suppose, but um, it's booking in a transfer for later. Yeah. And the interesting thing with Leicester defense is their wingbacks, who are uh, Pereira and Chilwell, they're just priced up. And I think that, you know, Pereira has shown that he can answer all the critics in that sense. And Chilwell has great stats, so maybe they're worth that money. But right now, I'm just looking to suck as much money out of my defense as possible. So at 4.7 still, Sanju, I think, is is value. All right, next question comes from Roger Kendrick, who wants to know, who wins in a bar brawl between Jamie Vardy and James Milner? (laughs) So let's set the scene here. Uh, What kind of bar is this that Vardy and Milner are both in at the same time? Oh, it's it's horrendous! It's awful. <laughs> I mean, it's the it's the worst bar. I don't. It's just the worst. Uh, terrible, terrible music. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's going to be 
Yeah, I hadn't even thought about the setting, but now that's it's just scaring me thinking about it. So does the brawl begin? Um, I am imagining the brawl begins. Uh, James Milner is there with um, who's he there with? Is it like a, a distant aunt who's visiting Liverpool for the weekend? And yeah, Milner's not with a supermodel, is it? It's um, <laughs> yeah, he's definitely he's definitely got exactly he's he's taking a relative out. Yeah, it's early on in the night. So, so and he's it's... he's got a water and no ice and he's chomping on a very crumbly <laughs> biscuit or something like that. And then out of nowhere, from the dark back corner of the bar, Jamie Vardy shouts something like, Hey, you look like a Minecraft character or something like that. <laughs> Which is a valid yeah. a valid thing. I, th- to I say. think that's something I, I don't think, think ja- I don't think Jamie starts this. No, he doesn't. Jamie doesn't start this. No, no, no. Rebecca Vardy starts this. Oh, here we go. All right, all right. We waited long <laughs> enough. As far as I could tell, the Wagatha Christie, um, Rooney Vardy controversy online seemed to be a drug that you had never experienced before, Ian, and you just couldn't get enough of it. Okay. So I had a little bit of a sort of quiet day at work, and I was on Twitter quite a lot, and it was the best day. It was just the best day I've had in a while. It was just because I don't care about them either, other than it was a great, you know, the the, the Colleen Rooney tweet where it sort of lays it out with like like a mystery novel. It was like an Agatha Christie thing. And then dot, 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 the dot, revelation. Dot, Rebecca Vardy's account, big music, loved it. But it was just the memes. Yeah. The, the constant memes were just so good. Yeah. Everyone was getting fully involved. I absolutely loved it. So, yeah, obviously Rebecca Vardy's starting it. Okay. So, all right. So, however it begins, wherever it begins, let's get to the main event. Vardy probably rushes James Milner, probably puts his head down and rushes like a bull at Milner. Yeah. Then what happens? Who wins? How does it go down? Well, ultimately, we, we we could skip all of it because Milner wins. He's... Have you seen some pictures of him? He's like... How old is Milner now? He's like 34 and he is absolutely built. He came back from, from there were some pictures of him in pre-season and it, I couldn't look directly at them. It was it's like Brad Pitt and fight club. It was quite something. And so Milner cleans him out. No problem. Uh-huh. It's, it's not even, he bounces off Milner. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, Vardy's had like a pint of vodka with a load of Skittles in it <laughs> and he's hammered that down. And then he's run full pelt with his head down at Milner. Milner's not even noticed. Uh-huh. He's just bounced. Vardy's bounced off him. Sure, like a flea. Colleen's reading a paper. Uh-huh. Colleen's like at a table nearby reading a paper with the eyes cut out. And she's like looking <laughs> through like a spy. It's, it's, it, the scene is just, yeah, it's chaos. <laughs> at 8.30 somewhere in Liverpool. So I think what, the way I'm reading, if I'm, if I'm in the same story that you are, is, is Rebecca starts it. Colleen's off yep. sort of spying uh, and Vardy fails to take Milner down and suddenly uh, uh, Colleen and Rebecca realize they're in the same bar and it becomes an all-out cat fight. Yeah, Rebecca and her sort of team of PR people sort of all get off their phones <laughs> and like rush Colleen but um, I don't know, she, she's got some like MI5 gadgets or something. Yeah. Um, a, a sort of remote control car just comes in, back end just sweeps them all out. And um, she, her and Milner, I don't, 
where I'm I love it. Keep going. Form. I love this. Her, her and Milner um, get in and just tear off into the sunset. And um, I was going to say Ro- Rooney going to some sort of dodgy establishment, but I realise it's probably a legal issue. With that. <laughs> libelous, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that I think that that is a screenplay that we ought to produce sooner rather than later. Ian, <laughs> I think that's a, a perfect place to leave the lightning round. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back. <laughs> the lightning round. <laughs> Yeah, if nothing else, let's leave the lightning round on that note. Uh, And we'll come back and do a quick preview of our bus teams heading into game week nine. All right, we're back and it's our game week nine preview. Finally, we'll be rid of this, uh, this dreaded IBS. I'll be able to uh, walk with some degree of comfort um, uh, come next weekend, which I'm looking forward to. All right. So it's never too early to set your bus team. If you haven't set your bus team, you're listening to this podcast right now while you're listening, just pull up the FPL app, set your captain, move your bench around. You never know when that bus might strike. We hope it doesn't, but you just never know. All right. So we'll talk a little bit about the fixtures here along with our bus teams, but to note Champions League and Europa League fixtures. I love to mention the midweek fixtures that can get lost in this early planning shuffle. Uh, Just to highlight uh, who's home and away in the Champions League midweek after game week nine. Tuesday, both City and Spurs are uh, have home fixtures in the Champions League city against Atalanta and Spurs are hosting uh, Servina Zveda. I don't know. We'll just leave that one there. And on Wednesday, Liverpool are away in Belgium to Genk. Uh, Do I have that right? Genk is in Belgium. Genk. Yeah. And uh, Chelsea also on the road. So when Tuesday is home fixtures, Wednesday is away. Chelsea are away to Ajax. Should be a huge game for Chelsea. Arsenal uh, in the Europa League are home on Thursday night hosting Vitoria. Also Thursday, Manchester United are away to Partizan. Partisan, I assume, is that in Russia? How is your geography, Ian? I don't know. Is that Partisan Belgrade or no idea? Yeah, that is Partisan Belgrade. Exactly. Good shout, man. All right. And, and then uh, you must have played a lot of Where in the World is Carmen San Diego football edition when you were a child. Uh, and then uh, Wolverhampton, the last Europa League team, are also away to Slovan Bratislava. Uh, okay. So that's the away home fixtures midweek that. You know, who knows? The international break plus midweek European fixtures is just like an awful combination for trying to predict rotation. So we're just trying to keep our sanity here. For your bus team, you've already made two transfers. Uh, Ian, walk walk yes. us through what those transfers were and why you made them. Who's out? Who's in? Uh, so out was the aforementioned Barnes. Um because he was just doing doing nothing. I could have got rid of Pookie, but I had the sort of exact money to do this, and I liked it. So I had, so basically, I had two free transfers. I did Barnes to Abraham, and to get the money for that, it seemed a good time to get rid of Zinchenko, and uh, I downgraded him to Lowton or Lapton. Yeah, I like those moves, and I totally agree with your logic. We touched, we briefly touched upon it. Like Pookie, does he deserve one more chance, or? Does he just get one more chance? I think it's somewhere in between the two. And uh, yeah. if if he scores or does anything against Bournemouth, definitely worth holding on to him. I did a 
a major no-no. I mentioned this last week in that I it was the Sunday as game week eight was closing up and I transferred out Sebastian Allaire and brought Abraham in. I got really greedy. I saw his price was going to rise on Sunday night. Yeah. For whatever reason, I wanted that point one. But it was a, a move that I made in confidence in that I knew whether it was the Sunday of game week eight or if it was 15 minutes before the game week nine deadline, I was bringing Tammy Abraham in, barring some kind of injury. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so he played a few minutes for England. Um, uh, was it Friday night England played? And then uh, I, I, I doubt that he'll start Monday night in the next European qualifying match for England, but just hoping he stays healthy. But I would actually consider captaining Tammy Abraham home Newcastle. If you look at the other options, it's really uh, Manchester City away Crystal Palace. I mean, I think a cheeky punt could be captaining Mane or Salah at Old Trafford. Would you consider putting the armband on Salah? You have him. Um yeah, I do own him, but I'm no, I'm not this this week. Um, and for the record, I wouldn't usually do transfers as early as this, but I've still got my wild card. Incredible. Um, bizarrely, even though I'm doing as badly as I am, every week I've looked at my team and gone, but what would I? What would I change? Yeah, right. What What's worth a wild card here? So also, there's there's uh, a blank for Liverpool all the way down in game week eighteen or something, yeah. isn't there? Um, and I just thought. If I've not got to play the wild card, then I might just keep it and see what happens. But it gives you something I haven't realised before because I've never kept it this long, is that it gives you that security of making early yeah. transfers. I thought I can catch that Tammy mm-hmm. Abraham price mm-hmm. rise and I don't have to worry about it because if it all does go wrong, I can just wild card. That's exactly right. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, so I'm I'm planning on captaining Abraham because it just felt, again, with moving him in, it just felt like a good time, good fixture. Let's let's do that. Um Salah's a little way down the list, I think. Yeah. Uh, this week, and if he continues to sort of stay down the list, you'll you'll w- wonder about getting rid of him. Yeah, and my vice captain right now is on Sterling over Aguero, and this is just a dumb move that I'm like almost guaranteed to make just before the deadline is move the armband from Abraham to Sergio Aguero. But I do subscribe to this. Um, I don't know how it's received, but it's received somehow. Wisdom that. Aguero is not as good on the road, and therefore I vice-captain Raheem Sterling because the point ceiling for him as a midfielder is higher. So I think Mm. as far as Manchester City and Game Week 9 is concerned, I think we know the players that we want, and they're the big heavy hitters. It's Sterling, it's De Bruyne, it's Aguero. How we play it, though, and if we are willing to put the armband on any of these players will largely come down to what we can read and what Pep Guardiola will cryptically say in the press conferences. If it's not embargoed for some bizarre yeah, reason. Right. So, so that's our bus. Those are our bus teams. My, my one benching dilemma that I want to talk to you about, cause we're both Lundstrom owners is, are you benching him? Or are you going to start him? I am. I have this dilemma between starting Diop who is uh, with West Ham away Everton or starting Lundstrom who's home Arsenal. What would you do? Ooh, yeah, that is tricky. Um, I've got Lundstrom, but I'm starting him. Um, but I haven't got any Arsenal attackers, and I'm starting him over Campwell, Loughton, and Cathcart. So it's a, sort of bit feels like a little bit of a no-brainer okay. for me. Okay, yeah. Um, although Campwell against Bournemouth, maybe, but he's a yellow flag at the minute. I don't think there's any news on that yet, is there? Campwell's in. No. Um, yeah, I haven't seen anything. No. 
Um, so then who who else were you looking at? Sorry, Lundstrom? Or, uh, Issa Diop, who was West Ham, away Everton. Yeah, that's tricky because, I mean, who knows what Everton's going <laughs> to Who knows what West Ham's going to show up? Who knows what Everton's... Honestly, there's so, many, there's so much variation yeah. this season yeah. in so many teams. Like, you've got, you know, Chelsea lost to Sheffield United earlier in the season. Um, you know, Bournemouth just, who knows? It's, <laughs> genuinely, Arsenal are insane. It's just that there's a lot of variance at the minute, so it's really tricky to nail it down. Um, but Lundstrom is he's always involved... He is in in their attack. I mean, it's, a, it's sort of ridiculous that he's a defender, as plenty of people have talked about. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. Who who made that decision in FPL Towers that this clearly attacking midfielder? Oh yeah, burn it down. Put him as a defender, and why not make him four million? Yeah, all right. Yeah. Um, I I think I would be inclined to start Lundstrom, to be honest. I think you're right. I've just had this weird vision of Diop scoring a headed goal on a set piece and. <laughs> You know, it's 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 like I know one correct Jeopardy answer, and I'm going to say that answer to any question, no matter the question, knowing that one at one point I will <laughs> yeah. get it correct. So that that's sort of where I am with Diop at this point. How long have you owned Diop? Uh, this will be actually be my second or third week with Diop. Okay, so you didn't get this, this is a run of three clean sheets or whatever it was. No, I totally missed that. Yeah, I've got nothing from him. Absolutely <laughs> okay. nothing. Well, punishing uh, uh, with zero. a benching then yeah he is due for a punishing um but josh and i were talking about the west ham defense a bit and if you've already bought into brighton and burnley as far as budget defenders uh and even leicester so you've say you've got those three covered where else do you go and it becomes kind of a process of elimination and west ham are probably just as trustworthy as uh the next so that's that's where we ended up with him. And then maybe I'm just not a, I guess I have to realize that I'm not obligated to start a West Ham defender, a 4.5 defender. I will rest on the bench either way. So uh, that's, that's okay. Yeah. And L- Lundstrom feels more exciting, doesn't he, to play? He does. Yeah. You want, you want these players to be as far forward as possible. So Saturday's fixtures on October 19th, just an amazing slew. Uh, it's a joy to get eight fixtures in one day. It's basically Boxing Day, Saturday, October 19th. <laughs> and uh, we'll finish off with Manchester City uh, away palace. What's the one fixture you're going to definitely monitor during that mid midday kickoff? Is it going to be Spurs hosting Watford, Chelsea hosting Newcastle? I think it is. If we're both... Possibly yeah. Tammy captainers and Tammy new Tammy owners. It's got to be Chelsea hosting Newcastle. Yeah, that's going to be the one. I'm hoping for a ridiculous six 0 or something. Yeah, that's it's got to be the one. I think Chelsea genuinely Chelsea could go to town on Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, what's your prediction for Manchester United Liverpool on Sunday? I I think Liverpool sneak it by a goal. I think it's probably one two. Probably um, yeah. Liverpool probably just sneak it. I think they've sneaked everything else. I feel like at the minute they've got that the sort of form that later on in the season you talk about champions having, where when they weren't playing so well, they managed to, you know, they managed to win. And they've got Man United and then Tottenham. And it's good times to be playing both of them. I think they'll sneak that one. Any idea who Peterborough will play this weekend or this coming weekend? Oh, do you know what? I don't know. What a bad fan. That's shocking, <laughs> isn't it? I've got it pulled Jeez. up. It's Gillingham. You're away, Gillingham. How do you feel Gillingham. about that one? No, not good actually, because I've seen I've seen Gillingham beat us a couple of times, but 
yeah, it's good times at Peter at the minute. We're third in League One. So fantastic. Sco- always scoring a couple more than the others. It's like five three every week. But yeah, it's good. Keep going, and you could have a a, in, a miles offside, always cheating derby with Fulham v Peterborough on the championship next season. Wouldn't you love dream. to see? It? That's the dream. <laughs> All right. All right. Speaking of, let's let's sign off, Ian. I really want to thank you for taking the time to be with us on Always Cheating. Um, give us your plugs. Where can people find you and Miles Offside online? Do you just give you a Google? How does that work? Yes, I, I don't know. I don't know technology. Uh, but uh, yeah, we can be found on all the podcast platforms, Miles Offside. And uh, we're on Twitter at Miles Offside Pod. Uh, I'm personally on Twitter as at Ian Stimson. That's S-T-I-M-S-O-N. There's no P there. And, um, yeah, I think we're on Instagram as well, Miles Offside Pod. I sometimes upload uh, videos where I cut out some bit where they're just abusing me for 30 seconds and then make it into a video. Sounds great. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, check us out there, please. And thank you for having – thank you for asking me. It's been uh, a pleasure because I've listened for a long time. So, uh, to – I'm not saying I was due. I'm just saying that, like <laughs> <Okay>. – <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been no, really nice to be asked and uh, it's been really nice to come on and talk to you so thanks Brandon. A, a huge relief to all the managers who have owned Ian as an asset for all these all these seasons <laughs> you finally came good that's great all right yeah. so um, if you're out there still listening and you want to support the always cheating podcast you can become a patreon supporter just like Ian go to patreon.com slash always cheating to gain access to our slack channel an exclusive ad-free podcast every week. We've been uh, doing the Patreon podcast during the international break. Um, so that's that's the extent we'll go to for our Patreon supporters. Speaking of, a uh, big thank you to our producers, Peter Bodachtel, Barry Maguire, Paul Herzig, Victor Forberg, Skogang, Alan Creasy, Blair Jacobson, Nick Wrights, Dean Nihas, Kaya Kirstein Lelang, Brian Chin, Travis West, Frederick Kean Gransky, Dave Wedinger, Lodal. Brian Jacobson, Andy Penn, Jazz Binning, Chris Carter, Bobas Kuhn, James Holland, Ben Grant, Jeff Husby, Trevor Ingerson, Brian T., Jim Payne, Adam Benjamin, Martin Savage, Chris Howell, Stephen Toomey, and Mike DePietro. Rate, review, subscribe to Always Cheating Podcasts and all the usual platforms wherever fine podcasts are available. Follow us on Twitter at HellCheaters, at HellCheaters on Instagram, Facebook.com slash Always Cheating. Send us your emails. Ian, I've never gotten an email from you. What's, you what's the deal? I don't know. Sorry. Yeah. I've it's just never great... had anything longer than like 280 characters to say to you. That's exactly right. If you have something that you want to say to us, and I can't imagine it's good if it's more than 240 <laughs> characters, hit us up, hailcheaters at gmail.com, or visit our website where we have our Always Cheating shop. You get t shirts and coffee mugs, and also join the Always Cheating Super League. That's alwayscheating.com. Our Patreon thank yous. Ian, do you have our uh, Patreon thank you list pulled up there? I can get it. Yeah, and I will murder some of these names. Oh, yeah, that's a better you than me. Okay, yeah. with apologies to anyone whose name I ruin, it's Drew Lucas, Matthew Clark Hellery, Omer Rashef, Magnus Meltzer, Luke Price, Shiv Mojaria, and Pedro Lurch. My God, I, I, I wish all of our Patreon supporters had the luxury of having their names as well said as they were this week. So, <laughs> God, I'm not sure about that. Brilliant. All right. Thanks again, Ian. Good luck to you in game week nine. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Who's your favorite always cheating um, patron saint? Are you a Poku guy? Are you a Sorloth guy? Kuki? Yeah, I think it's um, Poku. Uh, I think that's old school, isn't it? So I've got to go with that. All right. Poku for everyone. Yeah. Poku forever. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.